Hi, O'Neill here. Today I want to speak about how to build a strong, trusting relationship with your dog while you are actually in the beginning part of training. And there's actually quite a bit to say about that. To begin with, before you even start, you make a plan. This is what I want to do during this training session. And then once you make that plan, you have to be willing to also change it if you get in and modification is needed. Don't doggedly stick, oh, oh ha, 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 stick with that. If it's not working, adapt and adjust so that you can have a positive interaction just by being willing to say, how can I make this work? Maybe instead of going left, we need to go right. Do you know, just be willing to flow. Next, I would say is make it interesting and or fun and you both will enjoy it more. Marching in a square or a circle for an hour and doing routine commands is boring for everybody and you're going to tune out and the performance will not be there. And it certainly won't be one that there, anybody is going to want to repeat. Clear communication is really important and this is one I see often is a fail. Let's talk about that more. To me, clear communication is you're identifying, because we talk all the time. We talk on our phones. We talk to other people. We talk to ourselves. There's um, radio and television and all this auditory going on. And when you're working or communicating with your dog, the very first thing you want to do is let them know, I'm speaking to you now. So, and the simple way to do that is to say their name. Say their name so you get their attention and then tell them why you want their attention. So for clear communication, if I'm in training and I would start, it might be as simple as Sparky, sit. Good sit. Sparky, good sit. I'm very clear that I'm communicating with Sparky. I, I've trained a dog one time and I took, I took the dog back to his mom and he was at a distance. I had him in a stay across the room and I asked her, have, you know, ask him to come. And it's just simply you say his name and come in a, you know, positive manner. And she said, come on over here, Gabriel. I'm looking at her, it's like, so she didn't have the dog's attention at all until she said, Gabriel. Then the dog's paying attention and she's just standing there, staring at the dog, and then she's staring at me and going, it's not working. And she never did come around. I had to retrain the dog <laughs> in three days to help them work together better because she was not able to modify her behavior 
And so the dog was young and biddable, and so we worked on changing the dog's behavior. So if, if you can, we're usually the ones that are more equipped to be able to modify our behavior easily and to make communication clear. And it's so simple, the dog's name and clearly what it is you want. And come on over here and sit next to me is a lot. And you can visualize it, and that's helpful. However, if it's, Gabriel, come, and you're visualizing that, and the dog's been taught that simple word, and that means come and present yourself directly and sit in front of that person, that's going to be a, a simple, clear communication. Another important factor is being fair. That sometimes people give the dog more than they can even understand. And then they get upset that the dog doesn't perform because the dog doesn't understand it. Or they set them up, to, they're just different ways that, or they make fun of them. And so now the dog, they're sensitive. They can tell when you're ridiculing them or making fun of them or, or just not being nice and then you lose you're eroding that trust so being fair is important it's like saying hey you want a treat come and then you don't give them a treat after a while they're not going to fall for that anymore so coming and presenting yourself fairly with your dog will go a long way towards you building a trusting, loving relationship. And then being kind. Being kind is that you have this canine in your life because for most people that is your best friend and you want to be kind to them. So when they come to you, this is my example, if you have your dog come, you praise them and then you release them and you don't like put them in the house, slam the door and leave to go to work. And your dog just got in their mind. They were set up to lose because they followed your command to come and then you locked them away and left. That's not rewarding. So being kind is that you keep your commands clean and there's something positive at the end. And so it's something that they are going to want to be a team player too and replicate. Consistent. Consistency is a key. If you teach your dog, you're in the process of teaching your dog, you want to be consistent in how you train and your methods. And if you need to change something, pieces of the framework need to stay in place so that you're offering consistency. And then as you become a tighter team and you advance, you can expand, but you don't want to get ahead of yourself or ahead of your team. So the consistency is that your dog can rely on you and you grow together. So the consistency is on both sides, actually. You do this and your dog does that and you start building a... Um, routine and I can count on this and you can count on this and I can count on that and we're being consistent and we can move forward with that.
patient. <laughs> Patience is, is actually for both of you. You want to be patient with both of you because you are learning to be a team. And oftentimes people think, I'm just training my dog. And that might be true. But then you're missing out on, we're training to be a team, which is so much richer and a lot more joyful and a much more bonding. And it takes your relationship to a whole new level. So by being patient while you're learning, you're patient with yourself because you don't just walk out there and you're an expert. You have It's trial and error. And so you're going to make mistakes and then you just want to be patient with yourself and just go, okay, okay, I see I, I didn't do that right. You don't need to beat yourself up or get mad and then you get mad and then your dog's confused and go, oh, go, he's mad. Or you don't need to get mad at your dog when your dog's not understanding your communication or is learning to even know to respond to you. So patience is really, it's needed more in the beginning and also when you're learning new, more complicated things. So just really remember to be patient. And so sometimes what that means is to be willing to take it slow. Instead of rushing through something, slow it down and break it into pieces even. Definitely do short lessons. You don't want to go out there and think you're going to train your dog in a three-hour session and you're going to have it. Nobody can do that. I, I train like in hour pockets when I'm working with people and their dogs and because I'm often driving to them. But we don't train that whole hour solid because it's too much. It's too much for the people and it's too much for the dog. And so I will usually work with the person a little bit and then, or the people, and then I'll work with the dog and then I'll marry them back up and then we'll talk about it and play ball, do something enjoyable, come back and do it again. So it's, it's making it reasonable and pleasant and so that you can make forward progress. If you overdo, it can actually, you're going to have to back up further. So you don't want to push too hard and it's not going well, then you have to back up and back up to get back onto solid footing. So if you're willing to be patient, you actually can sometimes move faster. And if you're doing those lessons and it's not going well, and also if you're just not in the mood to do a lesson, don't do a lesson, just skip it then, because you're better to do nothing than to come in and mess it up and and have a bad experience for you and your best friend. So um, an important point is to end on a good note. So let's say you're working on something and you want your dog to down and that's not sometimes the easiest ones for dogs willing to give if they have a kind of a high opinion of themselves in their position. And so you may not get it. It may not be satisfactory. It may not be perfect after the first one or the 10th or the 30th. So that's that patience. And instead of leaving there going, you know, and disgusted or frustrated or downtrodden, stop before you complete. Take stock and on a really good note, let's say that Misty can sit. So I'm going to stop, take a moment, center myself. Misty, 
sit. I might have been really feel dis disappointed or irritated or anything, but I'm going to take that moment to make sure it's positive. And that Misty's going to look at me like, what? Because she, she's probably feeling the same way. So she's looking at you going, huh? You said my name nice, and you, and you used that nice lilt on the sit, and then wait. Hold the intention, hold the space, be positive, be with her, and be willing to allow her the moment to go, okay, and give you a sit. Good sit. Okay, and then you go do something fun. And you want to do the something fun for as long as you that training session was. You want to do something that your dog enjoys. So let's say you train for 15 minutes and your dog loves ball. You're going to spend 15 minutes playing ball because this is really critical. Now your dog is going to recall this lesson as really wonderful because they remember the last part. So the next time when you grab the leash out and let's go train, if it was on that bad note where you guys were both wishing you were anywhere but there, that dog is not going to want to come over and have that leash put on. They're not going to want to go out there and have that lesson. And you aren't either. But if you did the let's go play ball, you're both engaging and having a good time. So when you say it's time to train, you're both looking forward to it. And that's, I, that's really a critical, critical point to remember on your endings. Ah, praise. I have been talking about it, but I want to talk about it more because praise, that's what you're offering. That, that's your coaching, is your praise. And your praise can come across in many different ways. It can be from... Um, the love coming from your heart, it can be your touch, it can be the tone of your voice, it can be um, the, the look on your face, the way you carry your body, if you're relaxed or you're tense, it can be um, given at different points in the training. And I want to use an example. So let's say you're practicing or introducing come and your dog is at a distance on a long lead and you call your, you say your dog, what do you say? You say your dog's name and come because you keep it simple, good communication, real clear. So Max, come. And your dog, if your dog responds by looking at you, engaging, stepping towards you, or getting up out of a sit to come towards you, all of those are good reasons to give something positive, a praise. The praise can be um, can be all those ways I just talked about, from your tone to your words to your body language to your energy, and and you can and also go backwards. Good, and so your dog is now coming towards you continuing. And if they're coming directly towards you, that's just fabulous. But if they're swinging wide, like a big arc, like a half circle, they're buying time before they come to you. They're, they're stalling because they're not sure about something. So you want to make note of that. But so that either way, you want to praise because they're still coming towards you. Encourage is fabulous. 
So there's a second place. Your dog gets closer to you and they're still standing because to me a, a come completes when they get in front of me really close and they sit in total focus on me. But even as they're getting closer, that's still a good come because it's another point along the come continuum. There's a beginning, there's middle points, and there's an end. And all of you need all of those places to get a successful come. So even if you just get pieces, make sure you are positive about those unique places. So you're giving your dog encouragement. Yes, good, good, good come. And, and so they're going to go, oh yeah, great. And now they're, and they're feeling positive about coming towards you because you're giving them good energy and a positive. And, and then when they actually sit, good, come. And then just for a moment, you don't want them to come and sit there for a half an hour. It's good, come, praise, maybe pet them a little bit. Don't overstem. And then good, okay. And you both bounce away from it. And so your dog finds that they come to you, wonderful things happen, and then you move on to the next thing. And then that way you're going to have a beautiful calm because your dog wants to race to you because something wonderful is going to happen and you're not going to abuse it and then you guys are going to go do something. So they're going to come to you at a fastest run they can do. And so that's because you're praising. And the praise can be a verbal, it can be a touch, it can be a treat, it can be a toy, it can be um, anything on your dog's reward system, you, their prize reward. You should make a list. In your dog's opinion, what are the things that they cherish the most? And put them in the order of importance, the top down to the bottom. And then when you really need to pull it out, you remember what that dog's most prized praise is or reward and for like a Labrador, it, it could be swimming, it could be water, it could be a ball. For another dog, it could be your love. For another dog, it could be I get to um, go for a ride in the car. For another one, it might be a favorite toy or a bone or just be loved by you and just to get to sit next to you and be petted. So you want to find out what your dog's hierarchy is and work with that. One thing that I just really is such a compliment back to a team is when you pay attention to your dog's communication. Because it's often overlooked. People don't even consider it, which is once they, they get it, they're like, oh, so... As an example, recently I taught calm to a three-month-old puppy and what it looks like. And that the total, he comes to me, he sits in front of me, all of our legs, our feet are all in alignment, parallel, and that he's got total focus on me. And we've been practicing that. So today he did that to me on his own. And I could have not seen it or seen and missed the importance of the action that he intelligently and politely used the training 
from his initiative to request my full focus and attention. A week ago, his way would have raced over to me and bit me. Either grab a hold of my clothes and snag them and push up, punch her holes, or grab a hold of my skin and draw blood. What he did was he approached me and engaged using the form of communication taught to get my focus. That's just brilliant. Three-month-old puppy. And, and here's the thing about it. What that is, what we have created, is so mm, special. It's a, I call it a bridge of communication. That the communication not only goes from me to him, but it also goes from him to me. And that we're connected and we're paying attention to each other. And when you have a bridge of communication, and, and, and it's like, that's, that's true for any team, because you can tell when, when two have that, that there is, there's a flow, there's a level of trust and respect and care, and, and it can, it's just like poetry to watch it. Because there's such a connection, and sometimes you don't even need words. It's a look, and you both know what that means, and you flow together. And, and this young puppy, has, who's, who's pretty smart, well, actually, he's very smart, and he's already picked up on that and offered it. And his training didn't start but a couple of weeks ago. And he was pretty, he was not socialized or given the advantages of training in his, in his youth. In his youth! Um, but so after he completed coming in front, co coming to me, sitting squarely in front of me, and look, just looking up at me, just total focus upon me, that I, and then I'm like, I become aware of him because I can feel him before I can even see it. I feel it. I look down and there he is and it's like, ah! And he made his request which I granted in great joy, playtime. He wanted to play. So we played, and while we played, I thanked him for his marvelous communication to reinforce it happening again. That was so wonderful. You're so smart. You came to me, and you got my attention, and you did it so politely and with such beautiful form. Oh, you're just wonderful. You're so smart. You are exceptional. Oh my gosh. Let's let's wrestle a little bit more with your toy. And that dog just got all this praise, all this reinforcement, all of this bridge of communication. So what are the chances that he's going to choose this way again as opposed to reverting back to you didn't pay any attention. So I'm just going to charge over and bite you again and hang on. Look at this. This is like a major vault upward and you can have this experience. And, and not just once, but over and over and over again. It just keeps getting better. So what we are doing is we're building a healthy, respectful relationship based on trust, love, and positive interaction. 
So in summary, it's, it's a team effort. And you are the coach, the leader, and a partner in the team. And there's times, actually, if you are really honoring that bridge of communication, that your dog is going to come over and give you suggestions or ideas. And they can be brilliant. So at those moments, your dog is the coach and your dog is the leader because you're a team. And you won't be threatened by it. You'll be celebrating it because it's, it's amazing. It's a testament to the just extraordinary relationship that you are building. And so that, that is my coaching, my leadering, and my partnering with you to build a strong, trusting relationship with your dog.